0: What a great way to start the week. I love you, church, and I appreciate you so very much. I, I think this is probably true with most things online, but I, I sort of have a love-hate relationship with... Facebook marketplace you've been there, you know, you know what I'm talking about You know that I found some things on Facebook marketplace that I didn't think I'd be able to find anywhere And at other times Holly's tried to sell some stuff Sometimes we've gotten rid of some junk and somebody surprisingly paid us for the junk We were trying to get rid of and uh, other times people keep saying hey I'll come by in an hour and they never show up, you know, so if you've been there, you know, but But I think it's still better than in the old days. Do you remember what we did in the old days when we we were going to have a garage sale or when we were going to try to sell something or we wanted to buy something? Classified ads, I I don't know if that still exists. It probably still exists. But in the old days, you had to go down. You remember this? You go down to the newspaper office and fill out a little form and tell them exactly what you wanted your ad to say. And here's the thing about those classified ads is every... Word had a cost, right? every word had a cost, and so you had to be very thoughtful about what words you wanted to use and what words you didn't want to use, and you wanted to make sure you didn't use any unnecessary words because every word had a cost now that that is a reality that sometimes I think we we forget in our digital world where words are so abundant but It's true. It still remains true whether it's written or it's spoken, if it's in print or if it's online. Every word has a cost. You need to stop and think about the words that you're going to use because every word has a cost. Some of us have experienced it. I know all of us have experienced valuable words, valuable words, but we've also experienced words that came at quite a price that have hurt us, wounded us deeply. When we were kids, we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never Nothing could be further from the truth, could it? Words hurt. Some of our deepest wounds, some of our deepest wounds aren't from what someone did to us. Some of our deepest wounds are from what someone said to us. But as, as deeply as we've been hurt by other people's words, and we've had to pay the price of other people's words, we, we too are guilty of using words without thinking about the cost, aren't we? I'm guilty of that. Aren't you guilty of that? I, I heard an interesting, an interesting thought this week. This rabbi said that, he, when he speaks to audiences sometimes he will ask people I'm not going to ask you to do this but sometimes he will ask people to raise their hand if they could if they think that they could make it a whole 24 hours without saying anything negative about another person I'm not going to ask you to do that but he asks audiences raise your hand if you think you could go a whole 24 hours without saying anything negative about another person how many people you think raise their hand not very many not very many, because most of us realize, I I don't think I could make it a whole 24 hours without saying something negative about someone. And then he says, well, what does that mean about your relationship with negative words? What does that mean about your relationship with saying things negative about other people? If it was, if that the same thing could be said about Alcohol? If somebody said, I can't make it 24 hours without alcohol, what would you say about that person? That they are addicted. If a person couldn't make it 24 hours without nicotine, you'd say that person is addicted. If you couldn't make it 24 hours without caffeine, then you'd say that person is addicted. If you can't make it 24 hours without saying something negative about someone, are you addicted? Addicted to speaking negatively about people. I think most of us, most of us probably are. Most of us probably are addicted to saying things that are critical and negative about other people, and it's time that we break the cycle, isn't it? It's time that we break that negative cycle of saying things that are harmful and destructive and critical. Last week, we asked this question that we're going to continue to ask until next week. How are your words showcasing the Spirit's work. There is a person who can help you break the cycle. There is a person who can help you to stop tearing others down with your words. And that person is the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. His power is within you. He is trying to transform you and change you and help you. And you and I have to yield ourselves to the Spirit's work. And our words, our words are one way the Spirit showcases His transforming work. So the question is, how are your words showcasing the Spirit's work? Can you see in your words, or maybe better yet, can you hear in your words that they are being changed and transformed by the Spirit's work? In Ephesians, that's what Paul's theme is, is that when you are in Christ, you are different. You are changed, you're transformed, you are a new self. But you have to choose intentionally to participate in that newness, in that change, in that transformation. You have to put put off the old person and put on the new person. You have to allow the Spirit to dwell in you, and change you, and transform you. In chapter four of Ephesians, Paul describes what that transformation looks like. And so much of what he has to say is about the words that we use and the words that we don't use. So if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter four and verse 29, listen to what he says here. Ephesians four and verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. I mean, just kind of sit with that for just a second. This is what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. This is what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what it looks like to have the Spirit of God dwelling in you is that this is the direction into which you're moving, that no corrupting talk comes out of our mouths. Now, maybe your mind is racing and you're thinking, well, what what exactly does that mean, corrupting talk? Surely, corrupting talk doesn't come out of my mouth, or maybe what I say isn't really corrupting. Here are some other ways that the word corrupting could be translated. In different translations, here are some of the other words. Foul, harmful. Dirty, bad, unwholesome, abusive, evil, rotten. Then there's this last one, Lashon Hara. It's a new, new phrase that I learned this week. I'm probably be butchering the pronunciation, but Lashon Hara is a Hebrew term. And it's the idea of negative truth about someone. In Jewish tradition, there's this idea that gossip isn't just about spreading false ideas about people. It's also spreading negative truths about people. So when you say things negatively about other people that you really didn't need to say, there was no purpose to say that. It was just negative and you're, you're helping to ruin someone's reputation, then you're guilty of lashanhara. you're guilty of slandering them. This is the kind of idea that Paul has in mind when he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. And that, that Greek word corrupting could also have the idea of rotten, or unhealthy, or putrid. In fact, we find this word in Matthew chapter 12, in Jesus' words, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33, here's what Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad, there's that word corrupt, corrupt, putrid, rotten, foul, harmful, dirty, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit, right? 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 If a tree is unhealthy, then its fruit is going to be what? Unhealthy. If a tree is bad, if a tree is rotten, if a tree is foul, then its fruit is going to be the same. An unhealthy tree produces unhealthy fruit. An corrupt tree produces corrupt fruit. So Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you can can tell what kind of a tree it is based on its what? Fruit. You can tell what kind of a tree it is based on its fruit. If it's healthy fruit, then it must be a healthy tree. If it's bad fruit, it must be a bad tree. And of course, Jesus is saying about his own life, his own fruit, what his life is producing, that his fruit is good which should mean that the Pharisees should be able to tell Jesus is good because his fruit is good. And Jesus knows that he is good and what his life is producing is good. But the Pharisees are looking at Jesus' fruit and saying, no, Jesus is bad. And they're condemning him. Which actually says a lot more about them than it does about him. Because they're looking at Jesus, and even though he has good fruit, they are condemning him anyway. Continue reading verse 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What is Jesus saying throughout this this text? Jesus is saying that your words reveal who you are are your words reveal who you are your words show what's on the inside of you jesus his fruit his words showed that he was good but the pharisees in all of their evil condemning and their bad judgments, they are showing that what is on the inside of them is evil Jesus says, of course what you speak is wrong. Of course what you speak is bad. Of course what you speak is evil because what's inside of you is evil. Your words are revealing who you actually are. They were carelessly criticizing Jesus, weren't they? They thought it nothing to say that he had a demon, a demon. They they thought it nothing to say that Jesus was a sinner, They thought it nothing to condemn him. They carelessly criticized him. He didn't fit their mold. He didn't fit their paradigm. He wasn't what they were looking for. They didn't like what he did. They didn't like who he hung out with. They didn't like how he did things. And so they carelessly criticized him. They didn't really think about what they were doing. But they condemned him carelessly. And Jesus says, that condemnation that you so carelessly threw out, it's going to come back to you because you're actually signing your own death warrant with your careless condemnation. Carelessly criticizing others says more about you than about them, doesn't it? Carelessly criticizing others says more about you than about them. If you don't stop and realize my words have a cost, it is a big deal to say you're wrong. It is a big deal to criticize someone. It is a big deal to tell someone they should stop doing something. It is a big deal to tell somebody that they're doing things in a way that's sinful. And if you just carelessly throw out those criticism, if you just carelessly throw out those condemnations, it actually says more about you than it does about them. Now maybe, again, maybe we're tempted to say, yeah, I know, I know some people, I know some people like that. I know some people that carelessly criticize others. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about you. This this whole year is about reflect on yourself and be renewed. Reflect on how how is it that you do this, that you carelessly criticize others? Maybe it's when others aren't even around. Maybe it's when you're just talking. Maybe you're talking to your spouse. Maybe you're talking to your coworkers. Maybe you're talking about someone famous. Maybe you're talking about someone on the news. Maybe you're talking about a celebrity. Maybe you're talking about a politician. You, you have to be so very careful. Because what the Pharisees didn't realize, they thought that they were throwing out accurate condemnations, accurate criticisms, but they were actually throwing out careless criticisms. And Jesus says, what you're actually doing is you're criticizing the Holy Spirit. What you're actually doing is criticizing God. There's a time to tell someone that they're wrong. But if you go around carelessly criticizing other people, you may very, fi- may very well find that it's actually saying more about you than it is about them. It may be revealing that there is something rotten in you, something corrupt in you. And you think you're revealing something about them when really it's revealing something about you. But there's also a positive side to this as well, isn't there? That if, if what is in you is good... If what is in you is being transformed by the Holy Spirit, if what is in you is healthy and right, then the words that come out of you will be healthy and good and right. Continue in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. And you you know what this is like, don't you? Because the right word, at the right time, is worth its weight in gold. Isn't that true? The right word at the right time is worth its weight in gold. The word that builds up and it fits the occasion. The word that you needed to hear. You've been there, haven't you? You've been low You've been cut down, you've been hurting, you've been sad, you've been discouraged, and someone came along. God sent someone along, and the Holy Spirit worked through that person to speak truth to you, that edified you, that picked you up, that dusted you off, that helped you, that blessed you. It was just the right word at just the right time, and it was worth its weight in gold. And Paul says, this is the kind of stuff that needs to be coming out of your mouth. Not corrupt, not carelessly criticizing people, not rotten, foul words that tear people down and hurt people, but words that are good for building up as fits the occasions. Your, your words have the power to build people up. And we, we say all the time, we tend to say it about criticism, we say constructive criticism, but that idea constructive, constructive, like construction, it can build. Your words can build people up. Can we stop and think about that? That your words have the power to heal people and to help people and bless people and encourage people. A few years ago, I made a deal with myself. That anytime I thought something positive about another person, a specific thing, anytime I thought some specific positive thing about someone else, I, I tell myself I owe it to them to tell them that. I owe them that compliment, and until I pay them, then I have a debt to them. And so I have to, I'm obligated to share every positive thing that I think about someone with that person. Because it's a powerful thought, a powerful truth, a powerful word that's in you. And you have the ability to share it with someone else. It's like you have a medicine in your mouth, a medicine in your mouth that can heal the heart of another person. Why would we keep that to ourselves? And isn't it it sad that so often the things that do so easily and freely come out of our mouth are the things that are negative, the things that tear people down, the things that are careless criticisms. And then we actually think positive things about people. We think encouraging things about people. We think things about people that could build them up, and we think they don't want to hear that. They, they don't want to hear that. Or that would be embarrassing to tell them that. That would be kind of awkward. I don't, I don't know them well enough to say that to them, so I'll just kind of keep it to myself. I'm sure they have plenty of people in their life that are sharing those kinds of things with them. They don't need me to say that to them. How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that that person isn't hurting and they need that word that you have to share with them that could build them up. Continue on in verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Did you know that? That your words can give grace. They can give grace. They can be a blessing. They can heal. They can restore. Grace is a word for a gift a gift. Your words are a gift, a gift that God is giving to that person through your mouth or through your fingertips, if you type it out or write it out. God is giving that person grace, but it's coming through you. You are a conduit to transmit the grace of God through your words. Paul says, listen, if you're going to be a transformed person, if you're going to be a new person, you're going to put off the old person and put on the new person, then, then you have to speak the truth, but it's not just enough that you speak the truth. You've got to make sure that the truth that you speak is building people up, that it, that it fits the occasion, and that it gives grace to those who hear it. You have the power to give people a gift that will bless them, a gift that will bring them joy and pleasure and delight. That's that's a power that God has given to you through the Spirit, that you are able to give people a grace, a gift, a joyful gift. Look at verse 30 of Ephesians 4. He goes on, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, all of this, all of this passage is about your life in and through and by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, if you don't speak this way that builds people up and fits the occasion and gives grace to those who hear, And instead, you speak corrupting talk that tears people down, that destroys people's reputation, that discourages people, that hurts people and harms people. If you speak that way, then you're actually grieving the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has feelings. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. And he has feelings. And when you speak corrupting talk, when you just sit around and you badmouth people, when you sit around and foul words come out of your mouth that tear people down and hurt people and harm people, when you gossip about people and slander people, you are actually hurting the Holy Spirit's feelings. He's grieved. He's frustrated. He's upset. He's angry. He's discouraged about what you're, what you're saying. Why? Because he wants something better in you and for you and through you. He wants your mouth to be holy. He wants your mouth to be set apart. He wants your mouth to be speaking words that bring healing, that help people, that build people up, that bring people grace. That's what he wants for your mouth. He sets you apart and with you, he sets your mouth apart. And to use it for something as common, as ordinary, as careless as some of the words that come out of our mouth, it grieves the Holy Spirit. He's sad, he's distressed, he's irritated, he's offended, he's insulted. Our careless, critical, corrupt words offend the Holy Spirit. So let's remember this. If your words are not giving grace to others, they're giving grief to the Spirit. If your words are not giving grace to others, they're giving grief to the Spirit. That's a humbling thought, isn't it? To remember what Jesus said, that you will give an account for every careless word that you speak. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building others up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So we have to constantly remind ourselves, even more than if we were standing at the newspaper desk trying to figure out, okay, what words do I want to pay 10 cents for? Because your words cost a whole lot more than 10 cents. Your words are costly. And if they're not giving grace to others, They're giving grief to the Spirit. So there's two things that we all need to do. Ask for Jesus' forgiveness and ask for his help. We all have to do that, don't we? To say, Lord, I know that my words have grieved you. They've offended you. They've irritated you. They've saddened you because you made my mouth for something better than what I've been using it for. And I pray for your forgiveness, but also pray for his help. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot do this on your own. I cannot do this on my own. Left to our own devices, our words will be corrupt. But when we rely on the Spirit of God, that's when he can begin to transform us and change us so that our words don't give grief to the Spirit, but they give grace to those who hear. That help, that help and that forgiveness begins at baptism, and then it continues on so long as we rely on the Lord. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, and you're ready to be baptized into Jesus because you're tired of the way that you've been hurting others with your words, and with your life, what you've done, and what you've failed to do, and you're ready to receive the forgiveness of God through the blood of Jesus, and you're ready to receive the the gift of the Holy Spirit to help you, and to transform you, to change you, you're ready to start walking in and by the Holy Spirit. If you're ready for that transformation, and that decision, then now's a great opportunity, or maybe you made that decision a long time ago. But somewhere along the line, it just got really easy to let corrupting words come out of your mouth, to not speak words that bless, that build up, and that give grace. And it became so normal to talk this way. But you realize you need change and transformation and renewal and maybe your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray alongside you and pray with you. Our shepherds do that every single week. Come alongside people just like you who need, who need prayers and encouragement, who confess, I can't do this on my own. And maybe we can pray for you this morning. Our shepherds could pray with you in the prayer room, or right now you could come forward. As together we stand and sing this song.